Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 91. I'm super excited to have Dr. Ralph Esposito joining me for the show today for our very first men's health focused topic. I cannot believe it took me 91 shows to get here, but it did. No judgment, please. And we're tackling it now. So obviously there are a lot of things we could be covering. And obviously there are heaps of things we've covered over the past 91 shows that applies that apply to men's health just as much as to women. But I'm I'm really excited to be focusing uh, on men's health today with Ralph. And as we said at the end of the show off um, offline, this really is just going to be a part one because I know from today's chat, you're going to have questions. Please put those questions in the show notes because they will help form the basis of part two. And I'll invite Ralph back to discuss other things. Uh, we didn't discuss, for example, cholesterol in today's show. We didn't discuss uh, male cancers, and I definitely want to go there as well. So today we focus on um, sperm motility, health, quality, and fertility. We look at estrogen, we look at testosterone, too high, too low, and why. We look at cortisol, we look at the best lifestyle um, priorities you can have for being in optimal health, or if in fact repairing yourself from not so optimal health. And uh, we also touch on the prostate. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Pun not intended there. Oh my gosh. Anywho. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. And actually we also have a couple of fantastic questions that came through from Lotox club members, all the details of which you can get in the show notes on how to join. I always ask the club, you know, what questions do you have? These are the topics coming up so that I make it really listener focused and, um, and all you have to do is join through Patreon. So you can do that via the show notes today if you want to do that um, and be a part of the conversations that we have around these shows in a more profound way and a whole bunch of other cool stuff, of course. Um, and yeah, a couple of great questions came through there around, okay, so uh, my partner has never really had blood tests or anything what tests should we do? And, um, you know, she used the age from 40, but actually Ralph talks about something a little bit younger than that in terms of starting to ensure you're in the optimal range. Um, and optimal, of course, doesn't always mean normal range because normal is just the average of everybody who's had blood tests. And that's often a lot of sick people. So optimal is sometimes a different story. And we talk about that today too. So some really great uh, questions came up, a fantastic discussion. Ralph has a wonderful way of explaining complex things in a super easy way. Um, gents, you'll be pleased to know perhaps that he drinks wine, but he does talk about how much is actually okay. Um, and, uh, and there you go. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So I just want to give you a couple of reminders before we dive into that. We have the Toxic Home Transformation Summit that I'm speaking at, and I've got the details for you to join that for free in today's show notes. And we have our second week of the wonderful offer from Etitude, available, beautiful bamboo lyocell uh, bed um, products, so doona covers, quilt covers, pillowcases, sheets, all that kind of good stuff. And you have 10% off for another week. So if you're in the market for such things and, uh, or, you know, you have a, a gift to buy a special member of the family and you want to buy something gorgeous and low tox for them, then 
go for it and gift them uh, one of the Etitude products. They're truly lovely. They're on my son's bunk bed in navy right now and, uh, and silky, silky soft. So enjoy that offer and enjoy today's chat with Ralph. Dr. Ralph Esposito, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I am so excited about this chat we're going to have, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to have a men's health-focused topic on the podcast. We just chimed in there just before 100 shows, and thank you for joining me to tackle this subject. I am honored to be a part of this community and share all the men's health stuff that I can share with you guys. I'm we can go on for days. I, I don't know how much, how long you have, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Can you tell me how, like what, what sort of led you to become a naturopathic physician? There's so many ways we can help people with their health. What, what landed you here? Oh boy. Okay. Um, let's make a long story short. Um, I was maybe, I would say maybe in like first grade, so maybe like six, seven years old. And I was going to see the doctor. My parents would take me to the doctor. And I was a chunky little Italian kid. My parents are Italian, fresh off the boat. Um, And I was a seven-year-old kid. And the doctor would always tell my mom, you know, Miss Esposito, your son, his cholesterol is through the roof and is higher than I would see in an adult. And I was heavy. I was overweight. My parents were feeding me like pancakes and sausage and (laughs) and cannolis and all that (laughs) stuff. Nutella, oh, jo- oh my God, <laughs> Nutella's like still my weakness. Um, and he said, Miss Esposito. And at this time, my father was had two, um, he had two heart attacks and a triple bypass, two triple bypass surgeries. Wow. And he said, Miss Esposito, if your if your husband had two heart attacks at forty three, um, your son is going to have a heart attack at thirty. The way at this level was going, and it was really bad. So. <clears throat> You know, as I got older, my parents really didn't make any changes. My father's, his health continually uh, decided to decline. But as a child, I was always, I always thought, you know, medicine is magic and there's going to be a pill or there's going to be a surgery or there's going to be a doctor who's going to be able to fix my issue or is going to be able to fix my, my boo-boo, right? Mm. And I started seeing that they were failing my father. Uh, he went from, you know, just from cardiovascular disease, um, coronary artery disease to peripheral artery disease to then to emphysema because he was a smoker then to um uh basically deterioration of his whole body started then he got leukemia and all these other things and i started to realize i said well if we expect the conventional medical system to prevent these things from happening then we're going to be up for a very big disappointing surprise so I started researching and looking into other ways to we can help people. And um, was this by the of, time now you're a teenager? Because I'm picturing like yeah. a seven year old eating the books right now. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> as a seven year old, I was memorizing. <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. I, oh wow. Day, okay. Yeah. Yeah. To this day, I, I can memorize almost almost every um, every dog breed. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know why that still sticks with me, like Pembroke Welsh Corgis and, you know, Italian Greyhounds. Like, I don't know why I know all this. Um, so as I was, you know, hit my teenage years, I started researching all this. But on top of that, I'm probably the mo- one of the most stubborn people you may ever meet um, to the point where I don't like to be told that there's only one way to do things or this is the way and that's the only way. And for me, it's just like, well, how do you know that? And going through that, I 
I started to realize that there are other avenues and there's other ways to help people. And naturopathic medicine, nutrition, um, and Chinese medicine have become part of who I am. And it's just, I turned my passion into a career, which is not even a job now. And I, I'm just happy to be able to do what I do. Amazing. And, uh, and there's a lot of things we could talk about, especially, uh, today, you know, men's health is just like women's health that there are so many avenues of, of, um, of exploration that, that make us well as a whole. But I'd love right. to start with, um, fertility because this is unfortunately today with, I don't know what the stats are in the U S at the moment, but in Australia, it's one in six couples finding it hard to conceive. Um, yeah. and this is often the first time men, because they're not naturally inclined to go to a doctor as much as women are, um, growing Never. up. Um, it's often the first time men have any medical questions asked of them. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a bit, it's like, it can be a first wake up call for a lot of, of men. And I'd right. love to see what, what your take is on, on how we're getting, cause it's not just a women's problem, infertility or difficulty conceiving. Um, which I'm sure you'd agree with, given it's, agree, it's around yeah, what nearly 40% of men make up the overall picture of um, difficulty conceiving. Is that about right? 40% of infertility issues are due to a male issue. Yeah, right. And so, in terms of the work you've done and the people you've seen and the research you've looked into, what are some of the major factors that we need to look at here? Boy, okay. So what are the I just thought I'd start on a really light question. Yeah, just super light. <laughs> just throw it at me. Just bury it on me. Um, how do we answer this? Well, the the first part is, is we have to look at the biggest factors, right? Yeah. And the biggest factors that I tend to see most is the, the men's infertility issues often stem from metabolic syndrome. Okay. And this is, you know, overweight, high blood pressure, hyperlipidemia, high triglycerides, high cholesterol. Um, in, but the biggest issue, I think, is insulin resistance. Wow. Okay. Yes. So, you know, even if somebody is not technically textbook metabolic, uh, have metabolic syndrome, have metabolic syndrome, I would say insulin resistance or, or high fasting insulin levels or even a poor oral glucose tolerance test is going to be one of the major things you want to fix before you start addressing a infertility issue. And I'll tell you why is because insulin is a pro-inflammatory hormone, mm -hmm. right? And when sugar, so kind of just to give a little bit of a perspective on your, uh, for your listeners, um, here in the States, we love barbecue, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to assume that there are people in who are your listeners who understand this, this terminology. Oh my God. We but love barbecue as well. It's like an Australian rite of passage for the man to take over the barbecue. Yeah. It's like, mm. that's what men do. You grill. Mm. So all your men are going to understand this. You take a steak and you throw it on the grill and you get those charring marks, right? Mm -hmm. You see the, 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 the charring and the grill marks. And that's like a black, like a dark black, uh, area. That is a re reaction we call the Maillard reaction, which is a reaction between the sugar in the protein, uh, sugar in the meat, and the protein in the meat. And when that comes together, it creates a uh, something called an advanced glycation end product, which is basically burnt sugar. Mm -hmm. It's like thinking about burnt marshmallows, right? Yeah. 
And that happens inside the body because when you have high sugar levels in the on your red blood cells, and they're not just on your red blood cells, they're also on every other cell, including your sperm. When there is inflammation going on, is like the fire, right? And the sugar then reacts with the fire and the protein. They react and they create this this um, this basically pro-inflammatory detrimental byproduct, which then damages mostly every single cell in the body. In the body, and the the issue is that is that is irreversible. Once you have an advanced glycation end product uh, produced via that sugar reaction and you know inflammation because inflammation is like the fire mm. that happens you can't reverse that and that is what's going to damage your sperm that's going to damage your um, your testicles it's going to cause a complete imbalance and that just takes time to recover so step one is you have to address the sugar imbalance mm. I mean there's a million other things that go on but your sperm are super sensitive yeah and and I mean there's a reason why the testicles are outside the body. Right. I mean, this is basically basic biology is that because they can't be that hot mm. and they're very sensitive. And, and if sperm reach too high of a temperature, they actually can denature and become um, immotile. So number one is make sure your blood sugar levels are completely under control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of other aspects that you want to look at. And hormones are a huge aspect. But the other thing that many men tend to overlook is cell phone use. Yes, thank you. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 could, I could give you all of the obvious things, right? Obvious things is like, you know, um, make sure you're not uh, eating well and you're sleeping well and you're exercising. Like all those things we know. I don't think I need to no. educate your, your, your listeners. We're on board, Ralph. We're yeah, on board. You get yeah, it. you get it. You get <laughs> it. I understand your listeners are very sophisticated. I, We're I'm smart. Very, Go nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want, okay. You gave me the go ahead. I did give you the go ahead. <laughs> Half go, collect two hundred dollars. Do not look back. I am okay. I'm full speed ahead. So, when cell phone use, even when your cell phone is in your front pocket, your back pocket, or even just holding it like next to your pelvic area, that uh, has been shown to 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 reduce sperm motility. Yeah. So, how many men have their cell phones in their front pocket and they're walking around? And then they have issues having children and they're like, well, I don't know what it is. Um, that's another com. and I'm giving you the things that are very easy to fix, right? Mm. You, it's easy to fix high blood sugar levels and it's easy to take your cell phone out of your pocket, right? Yeah. And this also includes like on your hip, right? Those, those hip cases that people put on their belt. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not okay with that. Okay. So we need man bags. We need. Um, <laughs> is that what yeah, you're saying? We need man bags. Is I mean, that what you do? I do. I have. I have a. I would like to call it a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if that's what makes you feel more okay with that, then great. That makes me yeah. feel more macho. Um, no, but it's funny because I actually I go to Italy very often, and you see men there all the time. They have these man bags. They mm-hmm. have these satchels and. When I go there, my cousins, are, I'm like, they're like, where's your, where's your bag? And I said, I have a pocket, you know, um, but I've started adopting it. And now I have a very nice briefcase slash man purse. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. And it's just, I mean, it just makes sense. Like, why would you put a, a radiation device like right near your little swimmers? They're so sensitive. 
They really are. And, you know, they're so sensitive to even uh, saunas. They're sensitive to jacuzzi, so really hot temperatures. Mm -hmm. They're sensitive to even extra tight underwear. Okay. Right? So are so, you even saying, like, it's probably best if you're trying to conceive to not have sex, like, right after a sauna session and things like that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Wow, cool. I actually consider that common knowledge, but, you know, when I speak to so many men – or even couples, or I speak to the wives, and they're just like, yeah, uh, we, you know, jacuzzi's our way of calming down. I said, well, skip the jacuzzi, stick to the wine, and then just move straight to the bed. <laughs> That's just it's how it should work. I um, love it. And, and so, but I mean, I guess because sauna is just so hot right now, literally, um, pardon the pun, that was a shocker, but um, it, it, like, people just go towards these health fads thinking I'm doing this amazing thing, I'm detoxing, we're getting ready right. to make babies, and then it can be counterproductive sometimes. It is. Mm. And you know what? I, I know my specialty is men's health and, you know, men below the belly, men's male parts below the belly button. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, saunas, they are, they are a part of a detoxification um, system. And you do not want to detox if you're preparing to have a baby. Yeah, okay. Because, especially for women, um, and, you know, because those toxins, you're going to liberate those toxins. And and I'm not, I mean, a sauna, I don't know how much a sauna is going to do to expose you to so much, um, you know, uh, expose your ovaries and your body to, to toxins. But I do know that women or people, when they are trying to detox, they'll do saunas They'll do, you know, uh, detoxification supplements. They'll follow a specific diet. They sometimes might even do chelators, and you're you're exposing your your possible newborn to these chemicals. So yeah, and you got to get it out of the way earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. And and men, they don't realize that that actually works the same way for them. So I would I would say, you know, if you are planning on having uh starting a family. You know, keep the sauna away for a little bit. Let's save it for another time. Or at least, you know, keep it away for a little bit, like a week or two, and then you can go back to it. Okay, cool. And in terms of um, sperm quality while we're there, acupuncture. You mentioned Chinese yes. medicine being very much in your wheelhouse. How do you feel about it acupuncture is. for that? Yeah, I love it. I'm biased because I'm, I'm an yeah. acupuncturist, right? So, but... Um, I have seen it to be very effective. I will be honest. I I can't say when I do acupuncture with uh, male and uh, or couples, um, I don't know which couple or which person the acupuncture is having the most effect. Is it the woman? Is it helping them ovulate? Is it the men? Is it improving their sperm motility? I, I can't say exactly who it's helping more. I do know for a fact that women do get an exceptional benefit from it, especially if you time it properly around the time of uh, intercourse and the time of their ovulation. Acupuncture is an exceptional tool. I think acupuncture works significantly uh, more in men on the aspect of reducing cortisol levels, mm -hmm. um, improving the energy response, right? So it can actually improve blood flow to the penis and it, it can improve blood flow to the testicle and pelvic area. It can activate nerves in that area. I mean, part of Having a child is also being able to have an erection, right? Mm -hmm. And um, acupuncture is an, an exceptional tool for erectile dysfunction because it does calm the nerves in that area. 
it does help relax the pelvic muscles and it can help men achieve erections but also it helps with ejaculation because those muscles that are pushing you to ejaculate uh, acupuncture can be a really big help for there are a lot of herbs that uh, Chinese medicine would look for there are a lot of yang uh, and kidney yang uh, benefiting herbs I, I will say that I am more comfortable using the western herbs but you can't, you can't really exclude either you know, I use whatever is going to be uh, most effective, and, and I just find what's best for that person. Yeah, cool. And um, in terms of, uh, like, I- I'm keen to hear your take on this because there are so many naysayers with Chinese medicine. Like, you mm-hmm. see, like, people, like, universities putting forward a double-blind study saying Chinese medicine doesn't work. But, like... I know it works. I mean, for me, my favorite thing for Chinese medicine is when I'm coming down with a cold and my uh, chiro slash acupuncturist just puts a whole bunch of pins in my face and, you know, I'm the snottiest person in the world for 24 hours, then it's gone. And, um, you know, like I'm very keen to just hear what you you have to say about these studies like does it hurt you like doing the amazing work that you do and you see something like this come out saying it's bogus i'm just keen as a practitioner to see how you feel when something like that comes out or when it's it's shut down and and you're like but it's working every day right i don't take offense to it um i don't take i don't take it personally because i understand that you know randomized controlled trials are not real life and it's hard to test acupuncture it is very very hard to test acupuncture mostly because a lot of these studies when they use acupuncture they they do a they use acupuncture right so actual acupuncture points and then they'll do something called what they call sham acupuncture where they'll put an acupuncture point in an area and say oh you know, this is not an actual acupuncture point. And then they find no difference between the two. Mm. And I would disagree. And I would say, maybe it is an acupuncture point, but maybe you don't know. And also, you're following the Chinese, uh, the Chinese uh, textbook, the Chinese traditional medicine textbook of acupuncture points. Well, you forgot Korean, you forgot Japanese, you forgot Vietnamese, you forgot the French. Mm. So how do we know that you're actually not putting them in an acupuncture point, which is having an impact? Mm. So you know, that's one big aspect that you want to look at. Um, and, and these studies do come out and look, some of them are, are really good studies. And it's hard for me to say, well, this is a BS study. Mm. I can't, I can't say that. What I can say is that, well, if one study comes out, but I have four others showing benefit, yeah, I'm going to go with the four studies. And plus my clinical experience tells me that this stuff is effective. So, but you know what, it does create a unique conversation when, you speak to another practitioner who is not very aware of Chinese medicine or acupuncture and you have to talk to them about these things and like, well, I just saw a recent study that said it's not effective. Mm. And then I kind of throw stuff at them. I said, well, you know, a lot of your colleagues who are not acupuncturists, but they are, you know, medical doctors or, 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 uh, regular physicians, they're using some acupuncture points for things like incontinence. There's a kidney, there's a point called spleen six mm. that many um, urologists will use and kidney three, many urologists will use to prevent incontinence. And they don't know anything about Chinese medicine, but they know when you put a needle here and a needle here and you activate it with some electrical stimulation, it helps a person hold their urine better. So then I asked them that question. And I'm like, well, if, if what I'm doing is, you know, um, 
uh, invalid, then what about the other things that this has been validated in several of those other studies, right? So, yeah. Nice. Thanks for that, Ralph. I, I know it's a bit of a tangent, but I'm always, no, uh, I, I just think it helps open up the conversation when we actually, instead of just, you know, going by headlines and studies, we actually talk through uh, things and see that the world is not black and white. And I'm always such an encourager of, of people realizing that, um, that it's always such a great opportunity when I do have a guest like you on the show who can actually speak to it as well. So thanks. Oh, my pleasure. Um, now, in terms of um, there was there was a blog you wrote, I think it was late last year, and just to cap off this um, fertility discussion, are we on our way to extinction? Oh, and, yes. Yeah, and, uh, and that really, really caught my eye. And I'd love for you to share just as we move on to talking more generally about male hormones, if, if there was something that a, a guy could start doing now to improve his fertility um, outside of the sugar and the phone, something you haven't mentioned yet, before we move on, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Are we talking lifestyle? Are we talking uh, herbs? Uh, let's talk herbs. Yeah, let's talk herbs. Okay. My my favorite herb for improving fertility um, is ashwagandha. Mm-hmm. And if men are going to do anything to improve their fertility, and yes, I am concerned that our our species may eventually at one point become extinct because men are not making enough sperm, right? Mm. You know, it was funny. They, they said, it doesn't matter, you know, how many, um, how many women are on earth. As long as you have one man, we could always repopulate. And I said, well, <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm questioning if that's true or not, because what if that one guy is just completely a dud, mm. right? Yeah. And our, the odds are is that there are more men dealing with, inf- with infertility. So I would say if, you know, men had to do one or, or, or a few things to help improve their fertility now or in the future. Um, you know, ashwagandha is an exceptional herb that I really like. It's an adaptogen, which um, has been shown to improve sperm motility um, and sperm quality, and also hasn't shown to improve um, the testosterone to cortisol ratio. So it actually increases testosterone and can lower cortisol levels. And that alone not only will it improve fertility, but it'll have a profound impact on many other things as well. So if men want to really do a handful of things, I would say, uh, you know, if you want, take ashwagandha, which is an exceptional herb, but also stay away from the alcohol so much. Mm. Um, I mean, look, I'm Italian. <laughs> I make I make wine in my home, right? <laughs> like we have a wine cellar. I have I have two barrels of wine, right? So, but that two barrels of wine is lasts us forever because I, I don't drink excessively and alcohol, whether you want to believe it or not, you know, the French paradox, mm-hmm. um, are you familiar? I'm half French. So yes, I am very familiar. Oh, yep. <laughs> okay. I, no offense, but I think it's complete BS. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the French are healthier because they drink wine, eat butter and have bread. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's an excuse to say alcohol and butter and bread are okay. Mm. Um, I do think it's probably because their stress levels are significantly less and they don't work as much as we do or they don't drive themselves crazy as much as we do. Mm. But alcohol is a toxin. And, and let's not make light of that in any way. It is a toxin. It depletes your body of glutathione levels. 
And glutathione is one of the strongest antioxidants in the body, actually the third strongest. And your sperm rely on antioxidants for support yeah. to protect themselves in the test in, while they're in the testes and through their travels. And if you don't have enough of a uh, antioxidant support, then your sperm are going to struggle to reach you know where they need to go <laughs> their so, final destination their yeah. final destination i mean there's millions of them and mm. only one will survive right it's like a great movie <laughs> yeah. um but you, you know alcohol completely and directly depletes you of of glutathione and then will uh increase your estrogen levels and that's not what we want that is not the goal of this this agenda mm-hmm yeah, no. And so, but like you did say you have two barrels of wine in your house. So mm-hmm. let's talk quantities. Like, can we have a little glass at night with our dinner and, and a nice conversation with the family? Like, is that cool? Yeah, it really depends on how often you're doing it. It depends mm-hmm. on how much you're doing. Um, it also depends on what the rest of your diet is like. Yeah. So if you, if the rest of your diet is, you know, um, really healthy, really clean, good whole food sources, lots of plants, um, you know, high amounts of protein, healthy fats, you're not eating, you know, junk food, McDonald's and, uh, Skittles all day, then yeah, you can have wine. But I, I would even say not every day. Mm-hmm. It, 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 really what it comes down to is what is your goal? Yeah. What do you want? Do you want to be able to, you know, be a, uh, world champion basketball player do you want to be able to you know be a pro bodybuilder and be six percent body fat do you want to just be a average person who enjoys their life and just wants to relax some time at night or are you the person who says you know i'm just going to have a little bit of wine you know once uh two to three times a week and and that's fine but if you're doing it on a daily basis and then eating a lot of sugar because remember we spoke about the mm. insulin resistance yeah you're you're really t- like it's never just one thing yeah it's always a multitude of things so when you compound alcohol with you know Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups and um you know uh pasta with pasta with tons of oil and bacon and all that stuff now you're just asking for it mm. so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having wine, but it really depends on where you're at. And I mean, look, I, I make my wine. I don't have wine every night. It's And if I do, it'll be, I, when I, I kid you not, maybe like three to four sips of wine just, just to have like that little bit of taste from it. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Because the French are the same. Like I remember bringing my then boyfriend, now husband, to France for the first time to meet the family. And, um, and there we were kind of, you know, all around the dinner table and, and my, uh, uncle, you know, served out the wine and if I just didn't even think of anything, think anything of it because it's just normal for me, but having like an, an Aussie guy come into a French scenario, like he said, what was with the tiny amount of wine? It's like, well, yeah. that's just how much we drink. <laughs> it's more like really savoring a few little sips rather than like, yeah, exactly. getting through a bottle. Exactly. Mm. That's exactly what it should be. Mm. And when I'm in Italy, they do not drink, you know, you know, gallons of wine. It's I'm filling my cup quarter of the way and this is what we drink. We just enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. 
that that amount is probably not problematic. Yeah. And as you say, it is a soup that we need to take into consideration all the other things that are in that soup. And Absolutely. if everything else is pristine, then half a glass of wine isn't going to break the bank. But if you don't make a lot of room for all the good stuff and, and there's right. too much of that stuff, then that's when the balance gets tipped. I get it. It's cool. Um, exactly. Now, speaking of tipping balances, testosterone and estrogen, this seems like a good segue into this discussion. Now, you mentioned testosterone cortisol. Is cortisol something that affects and raises estrogen in men? Is that why you mentioned that a couple of times? So I can't say that cortisol directly increases estrogen in men. Mm-hmm. Um, but what cortisol does do it. So there's several enzymes that can metabolize cortisol and the cortisol can have a direct impact on many other enzymes. But what a cortisol does is it, it's a pro-inflammatory uh, hormone, mm-hmm. right? And over long periods of time, when you have increased levels of inflammation, you're going to increase, you know, inflammatory markers like interleukins and tumor necrosis factor and cytokines and eicosanoids and prostaglandins, right? Yeah. All these things will be elevated when you have high levels of cortisol. And these uh, pro-inflammatory cytokines actually can uh, induce aromatase. Okay. And, and for the people high- who don't know, aromatase? Aromatase is the enzyme that converts testosterone to estrogen. Okay. So more aromatase more uh, estrogen from your testosterone. Now, aromatase is primarily found in the fat cells. Mm -hmm. So in your fat cells, which are, um, I mean, when when men are overweight, they have more fat cells, they have more aromatase enzyme, which means that they convert more estrogen. That's why I was saying metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance is one of the biggest issues because more fat, more aromatase, more estrogen. Mm -hmm. And that 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 is a big problem. And alcohol directly induces um, aromatase and actually causes fat cells to directly be, uh, causes uh, fat cells, prevents fat cells from actually shrinking. Mm -hmm. So alcohol has a double effect, right? It increases fat cells and also increases aromatase. Cortisol actually just is a part of this whole hormonal milieu where it's it's not directly increasing aromatase, but it's certainly contributing to the issue because... Uh, cortisol prevents fat cells from breaking down mm-hmm. and it also increases uh, blood sugar. So it's just, it's having an indirect effect in increasing uh, cortisol, uh, increasing estrogen levels. Yeah. And the best way to really test for cortisol levels is through um, the Dutch test, which I find to be the most effective test, which is a uh, urinary hormone test and it measures your uh, urine four to five times throughout the day. And that gives you an idea of how much cortisol you're making and that can give you a good idea of what's actually going on inside the body yeah and once you start manipulating that things get better but it takes time yeah and i had carrie from the the medical director of the dutch test on the show last month so this will be the second time they've heard of this test and uh yes it really is just such a good test isn't it she yeah the test is phenomenal so is carrie i mean like i'm probably one of her biggest fans it's it's a phenomenal test, mostly because it also tests a lot of these other estrogens that are really important. Mm-hmm. And it tests your est- your estrogen metabolites, which are problematic, especially for prostate health, right? Your People think, now this is one of the biggest misconce- misconceptions, is that people think that testosterone causes prostate cancer. And that's not true. Right. And that's it's actually just 
kind of just been passed on on generations among med school um, in med schools and people are just like well testosterone causes prostate cancer because when you cut out testosterone the prostate cancer goes away and that doesn't necessarily mean that testosterone causes prostate cancer it means that when you have high testosterone levels in somebody who has prostate cancer um, and you cut it back or when you have when you deplete them of testosterone their prostate cancer slows down but it doesn't kill the prostate cancer the prostate cancer is still there yeah so the Dutch test gives us a lot of information about the estrogen, uh, the estrogens, and it's really the 4-hydroxyestrone and the 16-hydroxyestrone, which actually bind to estrogen receptor beta, um, excuse me, estrogen receptor alpha uh, uh, receptors, and that is actually what is problematic in, in, in large prostate and in prostate cancer. So I like to look at that more than anything. Right. Um, Rather than looking at testosterone levels, I mean, I see men with low testosterone and high estrogen. I'm I'm scared for them. I'm like, okay, we need to reverse this. We need to flip that over. And then I see men who have you know low estrogen levels and high testosterone. And some of the people are like, oh, might freak out. Like my testosterone's high, and you know my doctor says like this could be a risk for me. And I'm like, okay, we need to find another doctor because I don't think they completely understand what's going on here. Right. And so how do when you say I get scared when I see high estrogen, low testosterone in men? What kind of steps do you then take with a patient to uh, get the balance back? Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, factors that that you can assess. Well, we spoke about uh, we spoke about alcohol, we spoke about blood sugar, so I won't bore you to death there. <laughs> um, we get it; they're important. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. All right, Ralph, they got it. Okay. Sorry, I have to speak to myself in third person sometimes because I just get caught up in all this great knowledge that I have of sugar and alcohol. Move on. <laughs> get over it. Um, sleep. Yeah. Okay. Sleep Sleep over everything. That is my motto. Always sleep over everything. There's, there's really very few illnesses that, that will not – Actually, there's probably no illness that will not benefit from increased sleep levels. And the reason why this is is because when you are sleep-deprived, your testosterone levels drop. And I see this all the time is that when testosterone levels drop, your estrogen levels oftentimes don't drop with them. And they'll probably stay the same because the body's already used to converting a certain amount of uh, – already used to making a certain amount of estrogen. Mm-hmm. And then when you increase the testosterone levels in a man who has low testosterone levels, then the estrogen can jump because testosterone is a, uh, a, a exceptional hormone in improving uh, body composition, right? Which means more muscle, less body fat. And, we, and this is kind of obvious, right? We know yeah. like more testosterone means, you know, you see bodybuilders who take testosterone and that's not exactly why they're crazy, you know, 6% body fat. But testosterone does improve um, metabolic markers. And when you improve testosterone levels, you decrease body fat. Mm -hmm. And when you're decreasing body fat, you decrease estrogen levels. So that is one tool is make sure you're you're sleeping well enough because that allows all these hormonal systems to work in connection with each other. The other thing that I really like is uh, DIM, diendolyl methane, which is a is a derivative from uh, cruciferous vegetables. Mm-hmm. And this is actually an exceptional uh, nutrient because it helps push the enzyme called cytochrome 1A1, which is uh, converts um, estrone into uh, 2-hydroxyestrone, um, and it pushes it towards a 2-hydroxyestrone. And, and many of your listeners say, well, why would I want to do that? 
Well, you want to do that because you don't want it to turn into the four or 16 um, series of estrogens, right? Okay. So pushing it towards the two series is actually going to be protective and beneficial. And pushing it towards uh, away from these four and 16 will, will give you a better chance of, you know, getting rid of that that estrogen and making it less problematic. Right. So dip is an exceptional hormone for that. And um, can would, we just eat a whole yeah. ton of cruciferous veggies or do we need to supplement or is it case by case? It is case by case. Everything is case by case. But do you know what? I mean, I eat a ton of cruciferous vegetables um, and my estrogen levels are at 15, which mm-hmm. is, I think, perfect range, right? I don't take DIM myself because my levels are that low. But if you see somebody whose estrogen levels or estradiol levels are, are elevated, then I don't know if enough cruciferous vegetables would do it. Yeah. And if you do, it would have to be like three servings a day. Yeah, okay, cool. And uh, obviously see your practitioner to get dosage and, and find out what a yes. good brand yes. is. That's always important. Um, so testosterone, when it's like too low in men do we need is it about just focusing on that estrogen or those particular estrogens and converting them to a more helpful type of estrogen and that helps balance out the testosterone or do we need to do work on the testosterone itself as well and what does that look like yeah i I do think so by nature of reducing estrogen you're going to increase testosterone right now ratio wise i'd imagine correct yeah correct correct so, but I assume you're asking for non-pharmaceutical interventions. Yeah, like I'm thinking, you know, so many of us are sitting down these days. So many of us are drinking too much. Like, are there some some lifestyle things that are just glaringly obvious as to why our testosterone can be too low? Because, I, I mean, if you think about the guy of yesteryear, uh, you know, out there hunting and, you know... Like it it was a very different life for a man a few thousand years ago, yet our biology didn't get the memo that, oh, no, 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 you keep making your testosterone because that keeps you healthy, but um, we're going to get you sitting down all day now and that's going to be fine. (laughs) Like I'm sure sure that's not so good. It is not. So why are men experiencing low testosterone levels? (sighs) I, I truly believe... And, you know, there are many of my colleagues will say that this is an environmental factor. And I truly believe that there is an environmental factor going on there. Yes, there are a lot more plastics in our environment. BPA is problematic. There are more a lot of xenoestrogens and and phytoestrogens in our diet. Our food quality is poor. I think the biggest factor, and and the reason why I think this is the biggest factor, because I'm seeing this a lot more in younger men, Mm -hmm. is lifestyle. Yeah. We are now in a era where hustle, like hashtag hustle, hashtag mm. don't stop, won't stop, hashtag. Don't worry, you know, the chicks have it as well. We've got like slay and all the yeah, things. Like, no. Savage, savage. <laughs> like that is cool. Like, mm-hmm. look, I I live by the motto don't stop until you're done. Mm-hmm. But I have like a cutoff where I'm like, okay, if I don't get seven to eight hours of sleep, I'm done. Yeah. Right? So I really do think it is lifestyle because I see it a lot more now in younger men who are studying all day, who are working all day, really under high levels of stress. And it really, Alex, what it is, is is a complete shutdown of the HPA, HPG axis. Yeah. You, you shut down your pituitary from releasing follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, there's no chance of you making testosterone. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It is not going to happen. 
So I think one of the biggest issues is what is your perceived stress? Mm. And I really wish I could give your listeners this like amazing, like never heard of before solution or, or, <laughs> or cause like, oh my God, this guy is the guru. Like he must know. Um, I don't know exceptionally a lot more than other people. Like we all know that stress is bad. I, I know I can identify it. I know how to fix it. And I, I'm just very well um, aware of the intricacies of this hormonal soup, right? Mm. And, I, and I know that looking at FSH and LH levels and looking at prolactin levels, you can automatically tell if somebody's having um, pituitary or hypothalamic stress. Right. And, and that is really what's causing stress in our lives because we, we wake up, right? And we're already running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're already rushing out the door, right? So now you're not eating. You're you're rushing out the door. You're you're stressed to get to work. You're yelling at people on the highway or on the street while you're trying to get to work. If you're in New York City, you're rushing around, bumping into people. When it's a rainy day, you're it's impossible to walk around with an umbrella. You're pissed off at everybody, right? You get to work, and you know people. You're under the stress of your boss. There, you come home, and you try to have a glass of wine to try to calm down, and you have to deal with all these other stressors. And then you're watching TV, like. I don't think there's a moment in our lives where people are deciding to sit down and just breathe. Mm. And when you breathe, you're actually reducing the amount of perceived stress on the body. And I, if, the, if it's the biggest thing that any of your listeners are going to do, whether they're female or male or ladies, whoever's listening right now, and if your partner, husband, brother, cousin, father is, is not listening... This is this is the rule, okay? Make sure they sit down for 10 minutes a day and just learn how to breathe. That is an exceptional tool. And you can try to explain to this like to them in a very simple way. When you go to the gym and men understand this like cuz they're infatuated with their pecs and their biceps, right? <laughs> it's when you go to the gym and you work out arms, right? I call arms ego day. When I go to the gym, I don't I don't work out my, my I completely right understand what you mean if I'm just closing my eyes and looking around the gym right now. It is yes. 100%. Yes, like I don't go to the gym and do biceps or triceps very often. I would say maybe like once every 2 to 3 weeks. Um because I do a lot of full body movements. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to go to the gym, right? And you want to work out your biceps. And men look and they're doing their biceps like, "Oh my god, I feel really pumped and my biceps are huge," right? And then they go home and like three hours later, they kind of feel like the same way that they felt right before they went to the gym, right? Mm. And But it takes time. So the more time you work on your biceps, the more time you're lifting and exercising, you're, you start increasing the size of your muscle. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what meditation is. Yes. Meditation is a training of the brain muscle. Now, I know the brain is not a muscle, but it's a training so that when you are actually meditating, yes, you are relaxed, but the purpose of meditation is not the per- is not the act of meditating in the moment. It's the act of handling the stress three to four hours later when it come when it comes up, and you are training your brain to be able to manage that stressor at that time. Yeah, that is what meditation is for. So, when your brain is under this chronic you know, stress and trying to get all these things under control, it, 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 it completely depletes your secretion of FSH and LH. And those are what are necessary for making testosterone. Right. So 
really, I think that is the biggest issue. I don't think that testosterone replacement therapy, like giving somebody exogenous testosterone is the actual solution. Mm -hmm. It's not. No. And like, I'm curious because a lot of guys wind down by throwing themselves on the couch and watching action movies. Is that meditation enough for some men or, or is it actually just creating stress that we think we're relaxing and actually it's quite stressful on the body? Yeah, well, it really depends on the, per- the perception, right? Mm. So if you're laying down watching an action movie with your partner and cuddling, I mean, cuddling on its own is relaxing. <laughs> the partner is not watching the action movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I may so- be talking about my own home right now. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Let's say we sit down and watch like The Notebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's not relaxing for the guy. Maybe yeah. he's just bored as hell. And like, why am I watching this guy take care of this, you know, this and old lady? And it's frustrating. Thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it really is all about the perception. Gotcha. So I don't think an action movie per se is uh, stressful. I think it's the perception of the action movie that can make people feel stressed. Yeah. I would say that the news is much more stressful than watching oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, The Rock jump out of an airplane. <laughs> I would agree. And I like The Rock. I, I really like yeah. – I, I, he's, I, I, he's hilarious. Um, he's figuratively, literally huge. <laughs> he's massive. Um, so, yeah, funny topic. Only because I just think, you know, like it might actually be easier to just get men to – meditatively relax in a form that can't, you know what I mean? Just baby stepping yeah. to the sitting and breathing for 10 minutes. It's like, you already you know, know how to relax. Like, let's just take that the next step. The easiest way is just to count one and two for like five minutes uh-huh. and just count one, two. So you would count one, two, one, two. And just just try that and see. How, trust me, I, I think you'll be very pleased with the results. I Look, I meditate. I meditate every morning. Mm-hmm. Every morning, I am up. First thing I do, I uh, brush my teeth, wash my face, and I find a comfortable spot to sit and I meditate. Okay, and you That's do that for about ten minutes. Ten to fifteen minutes. Yep, mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Amazing. And do you feel like when you come out of that meditation, you're clearer about everything for that day? Like, do you feel like it's weird when you don't do it now in terms of the way you've set yourself up for the day? I do feel weird when I don't do it. Mm. Um, You know, surprisingly, this morning I did a a new meditation. I I do guided meditation, breathing meditation. I followed a new one and I didn't like it today. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I felt like this was ineffective. But right. I still did it. Like, I was halfway through it, and I was like, this sucks. Mm. I thought you right. sounded really stressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> no, and, 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 I, and I, I finished it, and I said, you know what? That really wasn't satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. But I still did it. Right. And it's just, the, it's just the practice of doing it that actually can make a big difference. Right, and so, it can help build testosterone back up. Absolutely. You know, and even power posing. Have you heard of power posing? Yes, of course. Amy Cuddy. Yeah. She's yes. the TED Talk. Amazing. Fabulous. And as she came Wasn't out and spoke at, um, at an event that Business Chicks put on in Australia, she did a big tour. So, yeah, she's fabulous. Yes. Mm. She's awesome. And, you know, to, to, uh, to be able to just stand there and, like, sit a certain way or posture yourself a certain way makes a huge difference. Mm. 
And so even those little things, your posture is huge. I mean, in Chinese medicine, when you collapse certain parts of the body, you impact the meridians. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, like, if I'm collapsing my lung meridian. Like, I don't know if it's really impacting my meridian. But I do know posture impacts your hormones and impacts your mindset. Yeah. So um, whether it's impacting meridians or hormones or whatever it is, just do the right thing and sit upright. Yeah. That's a great tip. And uh, another one for testosterone, because this is, is it counterproductive to think that going to the gym and pumping iron is building up your testosterone as well? Or does that play a role too? Because everything you've Uh, mentioned is kind of quite relaxing and still. Yeah. yeah. So I I do think that exercising in the gym um, is so weightlifting is, is essential. You need to lift guys and girls. If you want to improve your body composition and improve your testosterone levels, you need to lift weights. You need to lift heavy things and put them down. Okay. Yeah. Just put it, just put it simply that way. But, um, it depends on the time. I see guys in the gym where they're there before me and they're there after me. And I'm in the gym 45 minutes. If I'm there for an hour, I'm pissed off. Mm. Because I sh- you really should not be there for that long period of time. Because at 45 minutes, that's when your cortisol levels start peaking. And you do not want them to continue to be increased at that point. So you want them to start settling down. That's The, the issue is overtraining. Mm-hmm. It's training way too much. Because training is a stressor. But so is work. And yeah. the body can't, can't tell the difference. Gotcha. Right? So if you go in the gym and you're pumping iron and you go home and then you're already stressed out about what you've been hearing on the news or your email, that's not a good thing. So what I would say is um, uh, the second you, you stop training, so what I do is is I go to the gym, I get my stuff, I leave, I get in my car and I meditate for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just, just calm, breathful, uh, calm breathing for five minutes. That will actually reduce cortisol levels and and improve uh these whole improving testosterone because remember the testosterone you build testosterone not in the gym you build testosterone when you sleep and when you're relaxed mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you're not going to bed stressed and that's why i love the dutch test because it tells you if your cortisol levels are elevated overnight yeah your cortisol levels are elevated overnight good luck trying to build muscle mass good luck mm. trying to build testosterone levels good luck having healthy sperm good luck trying to wake up with an erection it's not it's just counterproductive. Gotcha. That is so interesting. So if any guy out there is hearing this and thinking, oh my gosh, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Oh no. You know, get the Dutch test because you can, yeah. you can literally follow your cortisol around for the better part of 24 hours and it'll tell you exactly what's going on. Exactly right. And you know what? Sometimes you don't even need a test to know Mm. what's going on so if like because not everyone's got 300 bucks to spend on a test what could some of the signs be that would tell you that you've got high cortisol through the night is it the waking up in the night yeah yeah waking up uh having difficulty falling asleep uh feeling hungry in the evening so getting like cravings at night waking Mm -hmm. up in the middle of the night with cravings waking up feeling really groggy like tired even within like a half hour of waking up yeah um, decreased morning erections. That is a big, um, you know, uh, uh, a sign. clue. Yeah, yeah. That, that's some. That tells you something's going on. Now, just because you don't wake up with morning erections doesn't mean your testosterone is low. What it does mean is that you really need to dig into this and mm-hmm. figure out what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so those are a few things that you really want to check out and make sure that 
is, you know, that should be on your checklist. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, now, in terms of like, so we've, we've talked about a few signs and some testing and something really interesting to me is that women naturally tend to seek out better health for themselves and their whole family. It seems to be the woman that takes this role. And like I said before, we've got the 50 tabs open on the internet. We're talking in three chat groups. We know exactly why we're getting to the bottom of little Tommy's distended belly or their SIBO or trialing cultured foods and binder. Men are like, why do I need to go to the doctor? Oh God. (laughs) So what, like at what age should a guy start, um, you know, maybe just getting a a set of panels, some basic panels. I don't know if there are some specific panels you suggest and and what age guys should really start caring a bit more. Yeah. So I'm a little bit heavy. I have a heavy hand on labs. And the reason why is, is because I like to know, Mm -hmm. I want to know everything as much as possible. I would say that even, I mean, I would find it very reluctant for a medical doctor to check testosterone levels in a 20-year-old or 25-year-old or even sometimes in like a 30-year-old. I mean, I have patients who are 40, 50 years old and, you know, they've never had their testosterone levels checked. And I'm like, well, why not? You're Mm -hmm. feeling it, right? So um, I don't think there's any age as to when a man should not start getting things checked, except with PSA. That you want to check, you know, in their in your 40s, because the risk of prostate cancer really doesn't happen until you're getting older. Mm-hmm. So, you know, men don't like to go to the doctor, but I always I always say a few things. If a man has diabetes, he probably won't go to the doctor. If a man is having you know, neck pain or leg pain, he probably won't go to the doctor. I mean, even if he's having chest pain, going down his left arm, he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm not going to the doctor. Like, uh, no, you could be having a heart attack, right? Yeah. But when their male parts stop working, they'll go to the doctor. Mm. Right? Yeah. So let's not let it get to that point. Let's hope that it doesn't get to that point. So I would tell men that they should always get a yearly checkup. And a few of the things that they really want to get checked is you want to get your testosterone levels checked. You want to get your estrogen levels checked. You want to get your lipids checked. So I'm not just talking about your cholesterol, triglycerides, and HDL. Like that is the only thing that I could do with a cholesterol is, I mean, just tell you, okay, you have average, high, low cholesterol. It doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. Triglycerides mean a lot. Yeah. But I'm talking about things like LDLP. I'm talking about um, particle size. I'm talking about homocysteine. I'm talking about um, oxidized LDL. I'm talking about uh, uh, ratios of HDL and VLDL. These are all things, and lipoprotein little a, right, LP little a. The biggest thing that kills men is, or one of the biggest things that kills men is heart disease. Mm. And and I always tell men, and one of my uh, mentors, Dr. Gio Espinoza, tells me that the the mm. penis the penis is a barometer of a male of a man of a man's health. Right. The penis is a barometer of a man's health. And if something so, your world does roll, revolve around penises. Then That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's been true all along. <laughs> it is. It is true as it comes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So if you're having, uh, you know, erectile issues, difficulty urinating, holding your urine, that tells me something else is going on. And it's likely the correlation between prostate disease and, and lower urinary tract symptoms and, um, and cardiovascular disease is very high. It's a very strong correlation there. And 
you want to make sure that the the pump from your heart is also pumping to the rest of the body. So you want to make sure that your cardiovascular health is really important. So fasting insulin, hemoglobin A1C, leptin, adiponectin, these are all things that you really want to get checked. Mm-hmm. Um, other things, especially on the hormonal aspect, testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, estradiol, um, uh, FSH, LH, prolactin, DHEAS. These are all things you want to have checked. And also I see things like uh, hypothyroidism in men. So men are cleaning of low testosterone and I'm looking at them like your testosterone is okay. It's your thyroid. Mm-hmm. We need to fix that part first because this is your this is your metabolism. If your testosterone is uh, in sufficient amounts, but your, your thyroid is not working, those receptors are going to be uh, dulled and delayed. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you want to check your TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, total T4, free T, uh, total T3, um, you know, and, and then the antibodies. Those are all things that you really want to get checked, especially as you're a man. Because if you don't have a baseline at 20, 30 years old and it shows up at 40 or 50, it's hard to know like when things started going wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you so suggest sort of like if you're feeling generally okay, fine, whatever, you know, there are different times in our life where we're a bit more tired, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's something massively wrong. It could just mean you've got a newborn. Um, like yeah. every two years, every three years. I would say, uh, um, are you talking about the hormonal levels? Just getting the general check of everything you just listed. Yeah. I would say uh, once a year. Okay. Right. I think once a year is very safe. Mm-hmm. It's not overdoing it. Um, it's certainly justified. I mean, I wouldn't check. I mean, if, if you you don't have to check these things all the time, especially if you're living a similar lifestyle and you're feeling well. But, um, you know, I get mine checked every year. Mm-hmm. So but I'm a little bit over the top sometimes. <laughs> but I, I, I get mine checked every year because you know what? My father has had heart well, disease. Well, you have a life. yeah, you have yeah. a history that really makes you, you know, susceptible. Yeah, well, not even susceptible. I th- I feel more like even psychologically susceptible. To, yeah. To want to be on top of things. Yeah, you know, I hope I can live forever, but I don't want to live forever and live poorly. Mm. You know, like I want that bell curve of like lifespan to like completely drop. I don't want it to like like I want it to go like a, a right angle and like just done yeah right i don't want to like you know be like 80 years old and start feeling like crap and then be 90 years old and start feeling horribly and then 95 and like i don't want that like if i'm 95 and i can't you know enjoy my life then I've, i haven't done the right thing so that's that's longevity is huge and mm. it's really important there's lifespan there's health span and i think unfortunately now in the medical system they're really good at keeping people alive not good at keeping people healthy mm, that's right and that's why like i always say modern medicine's amazing for save the day and holistic medicine's amazing for day to day and we need both absolutely right mm. absolutely right um, I'm, uh, you know, you sound great, but I'm not going to come to you if my arm's just being bitten off by a shark. <laughs> it's just not where I'm going to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, medical doctors are great at putting out fires. They yeah. are amazing at that. Like I can owe my father's life and many of my family members and even some things in myself. Like I, I've cracked my head open a few times and they, they are amazing at that. Yeah. But ask them how to prevent somebody from getting a heart attack in 10 years. It's like. It's like more luck. You're better off asking a dog. You know, it's like, what do you get? I don't know. Yeah, we get basic diet and lifestyle, but there's just yeah. so much more we can do. Eat well and exercise. Mm. Cool, cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because like, you know, I've, I experience high leptin at the moment because I'm getting over SERS. Um, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And I've talked about it. Um, if you want to search it on the blog, um, but it's, uh, it's, it isn't just as easy as diet and lifestyle because when you've got super high leptin or other stuff at play, like there can just be things that make you um, more prone to disease just like that are happening that you don't have much control over unless you identify them and sort them right. out. And, and this is why I, I'm a huge believer in testing as well in this modern age where we're being assaulted by chemicals, increased mold and fungus inside our homes, EMFs, uh, and, and then all the issues that you've talked about that have stemmed from largely uh, processed food coming into our food chains and, and day-to-day living, you know, it's... It stands to reason right. that we need to check in because we, especially our age, we were really the first generation to be fully exposed to all this stuff from birth. And, uh, and, and now we're having the kids. So, yeah. As, it, you can't, you, you can't oversimplify these things, but you can't make them too complex. In the end, it comes down, comes down to many simple things. And, and that's for your listeners, right? It's like, what are the things you can do on a regular day basis? But sometimes you need somebody who just really gets this stuff mm. and who can work those intricacies. And that's why I think men should see the doctor, mm. you know, or, or your healthcare professional or whoever it is that's going to help you get to that health point. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, we get all of those tests done. We might need to see a naturopathic physician to mm-hmm. interpret them more fully, right? Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot, of, a lot of other physicians other than naturopathic physicians who understand this stuff, a lot of functional medicine practitioners and mm. tons of medical doctors who get it. But you got to make sure you find somebody who actually gets who it. Who does get it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like if your doctor is telling you, you know, your total cholesterol is the reason why you're at risk of a heart attack or your LDL-C is your major risk of a heart attack or cardiovascular disease, like they have not been in the literature at all. Mm. If they're telling you testosterone causes prostate cancer, they're telling you, you know, uh, estrogen levels above 40 are fine. Like, no, Mm. you can't, you gotta, you gotta find somebody else. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to find somebody. So it's, I wish they had like an online dating app for doctors. (laughs) It'd be good. Wouldn't it? Hey, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. And so like, I will ask you just one more question because you've mentioned prostate sure. a couple of times, and this is definitely something that guys start to s- sort of worry about as they get a bit older. Um, what, what does looking after your prostate look like a- on a day-to-day basis as a man yeah. post 40? Lots of green cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. Mediterranean type diet. Yeah. So fish oil, Spices, um, lean meats, not too much high in sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the best things, I mean, I don't want to say one of the best things you could do is you need to exercise and lift heavy four times a week. Okay. That's what that that's what you need to do to keep the prostate healthy. You need to make sure your heart is healthy. So, you know, following a Mediterranean diet, make sure you're lifting weights four times a week. You know, surprisingly, there's a, a fun statistic that came out that said i believe it was men who ejaculated 27 times a month had a lower risk of prostate cancer now <laughs> you heard I am, it here guys 
I am not saying <laughs> that that is a goal for you every day. Like, <laughs> and it's only been 22 times this month. <laughs> Gotta get to work. I'm not saying that, but um, I am saying that there is there are a lot of men who are completely, you know, they don't ejaculate, and ejaculation actually is can be a healthy thing. It's it's you know it's considered taboo in many cultures, but it's part of keeping the body healthy. So um, sexual activity is actually a healthy thing to do. But I would say even more than that is social interaction. Mm-hmm. Just just not. I mean, it doesn't have to be with another woman. It's just having social interaction, being out, being with friends, like speaking to other human beings. Like stop gotcha. talking. And when you first said social interaction, I was like, oh, you're like, I'm yeah, like uh, you mean. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> what is he recommending? This is, yeah, no, just kidding. It's funny. Um, but I, I see what you're saying. It's just that there was no segue. So it sounded like it was part of the 27 times a month goal. So social interaction. So basically what you're saying is please don't be on your computer alone in your house or watching TV alone in your house. You've got to bring community into your life. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So there's a correlation between a strong sense of community and prostate health, or is it just that prostate comes under general health for men and that's what the correlation is? I think it comes under general health. And I think the biggest correlation is that social community will uh, improve cognitive health. Mm -hmm. And improving cognitive health can keep you healthier longer. Yeah. And it lets you do things on a daily basis that you probably wouldn't be able to do if you weren't cognitively there. Mm. So it, it's there's a I mean, I don't I don't know if I have a study showing me that you know social interaction reduces the risk of prostate cancer. I do know that social interaction reduces the risk of Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. And I do know that there are associations with low testosterone and 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 cognitive decline. And you know all these things are connected. They mm. just you just need to know how they are connected. And once you could put the puzzle pieces together, it makes sense. And I don't need somebody to make a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial to tell me that, you know, being with friends and family is healthy for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at the work that Dan Buten has done on the Blue Zones diet and, um, and yeah. Blue Zones cultures, I mean, it's yeah. just the same stuff keeps repeating over and over again. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Can't ignore it. No, you can't. And, um, okay, so to finish this whole conversation off, and there's been there's been so much in there, so I'm trying to think how do we tie all this together, but I would love for you to just finish by sharing um, a couple of the most powerful things that we talked about that you believe belong at the absolute top of the list for men's health. Number one, sleep. Sleep over everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean it. But what uh, if you can't? What if you have like, difficulty sleeping? Yeah, like I'm just thinking there's there might be a guy listening to this going, oh, well, that's easy for you to say, but, you know, I wake up three times a night. Is that when we need to start looking back into the chat at the cortisol discussion and yeah. and get yes. get on top of why the sleep's not happening? Okay, great. So sleep. It should not be, it should not be accepted. Mm. I mean, it's just like, oh, I can't sleep, so that's my life. No, yeah. and like it's not like you're deficient <laughs> in Ambien or Benadryl. Yeah. Like, that is not the solution. No. Let's figure out why that's a problem. Are you on your cell phone right before bed? Because I can tell you that's a problem. Mm. Are you doing work and then going straight into bed? Are you doing work in your bedroom? Mm. 
there's so many factors that are going on here. Like, are you eating too late? Like, so yeah. many things that are going on here. So get to the bottom of that. Make yeah. sure you have somebody who really understands sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, preferably a naturopathic physician who are trained in, in understanding that stuff. Yeah. So number one would be sleep over everything. Yeah. Right. So that's just number one. Um, number two, I mean, I sound boring, but it's like, you know, number two is eat healthy food. Mm-hmm. Eat whole foods. But I don't want to just say like eat healthy right i want you to be able to eat in ways that it can manipulate to manipulate your blood markers and that's why i like to do blood tests because you might be thinking you're eating fine but your your ldl particle size and your insulin levels could be out of whack and you're like well i'm eating vegetarian i should this should be a no-brainer but it's actually not the case so always correlate or you know always get these lab markers done and compare them with your diet Mm mm-hmm and, and your lifestyle, and you should really try to get these numbers under control. And I'm not like saying like numbers are everything, but they're really important in understanding the whole picture. So get those things under control. Yeah, great advice. Thank and, you. Yeah, oh, sorry, oh, <laughs> you just I, said I, and. Please yeah. keep talking. It's all good. <laughs> no, I I, I I thought you wanted three things. So I was I usually do like a one, two, three. So number one was asleep. Number two is diet with the lab markers, and and number three is you need to find the thing that makes you happy. Oh, I love that. What a great thing to finish on. And there's you not really, just one thing, right? No, mm. no, not necessarily. And, and by the way, like drinking like wine before bed is, does not count. <laughs> Damn. That does not make, nope, can't do it. <laughs> but find things that you do on a daily basis that make you happy. Mm-hmm. And that will just improve your health overall. That's a beautiful thing to finish on and so overlooked, so overlooked. In fact, chasing health can often be stressful for people and you're just like, no, the stress is going to kill us before anything. So we've really got to check in with the happiness and relaxation. I love it. I I always tell people I I don't work a day in my life. Mm. I just, I've never worked a day in my life and that's because I genuinely love what I do. And for that reason, I think, you know, I'll always enjoy what I do and I'll always be a happy person because I'm just doing what I love. You know, nobody could take that away from you. Mm. You can, you can, you know, lose family members, you can lose money. Um, Well, usually money is pretty problematic, but you know, you know what I'm saying is that Mm. these things have a huge impact on your health. But if you're doing something every day that you really enjoy, odds are you're going to be a happy camper. So true. And for anyone who's thinking, oh, but, you know, that's been a huge realization. I have to stay in this job or I can't because X, then go back to listen to my show with Dan Palmer, the um, holistic decision making uh, PhD. He was fascinating uh, for anyone out there who's thinking, I don't know actually how to decide my life to be happy. Um, he was just brilliant. So as were you, Ralph, thank you so much for joining oh, me on the you. show. Really great uh, nuggets of wisdom there. And, uh, and it feels great to have looked after our guys for a change. There's a lot of um, female-focused health talk. And I think, you know, f- to make men care about the conversation more, we need to have more conversations around men's health. So I really appreciate you joining me. And I can already feel a part two coming on. I'm excited. <laughs> thanks again. <laughs> Aw, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Music.